available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everybody, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network. And we are the Podcast of Champions, talking about Pac-12 football, what's been going on. We're heading into week three. We're going to recap week two. We don't remember our picks, but we'll we'll, we'll share them (laughs) next week. That's my, that's a failure on my part. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Pac-12 Podcast. Our email. We're on our part, Ryan. Yeah. Our, <laughs> our email, Pac-12Podcast at gmail.com. I actually looked at our emails, Dave. We do have a question. so No way. That's kind of cool. Um, we had some other stuff from like two weeks ago that we never even looked at. So we, I'll, I apologize for that. Voicemail number 641-715-3900, extension 734 972 you can leave a voicemail if you want and uh, we'll play it on the podcast and talk about what you had to say and maybe make fun of you who knows we'll do something <laughs> um that's just what we do dave that's just what we do we make fun of people but we also love we're big lovers here but we not do, lovers we do love way. do you want to start with our well okay let me just um so we're recording this on thursday i'm actually flying up to stanford a little bit later on and i have to drive to pasadena to do a radio deal so I'm like packed already and ready to go. So I'm kind of like going to do this and get out the door. But I'm doing this in my home and not the in my office where I wrote down all of our picks. And unfortunately, I have all of our sound effects. So I can't do the sound effects today either. So I, I'm an epic fail for me on the on this half but, of the podcast. Here's the thing that we're doing for our, our listeners out there is we don't have our our, you know, designer sound effects. But that doesn't mean we don't have sound effects. We've we've got the ability to make noises here. And so we're going to we're going to we're going to do our best to uh, to mimic the uh, the sound effects. We'll try that. Yeah, we're going to do what close. we can. See how close we remember them. Yeah. Um, do you want to start with the the question? Let's start with the question. It's uh, from Frank. He said, uh, "Hi, Dave and Ryan. Concerning UCLA, I find it curious that the running back position is loaded and a couple of freshmen are getting meaningful reps." But the wide receivers aren't dynamic, and there is a five-star freshman who, according to camp reports, uh, doesn't get to see the field but for one play. I'm sure the head coach has a plan for who redshirts with great deliberation and the other coaches, but who decides who plays on game day? The position coaches? Keep up the great work. So, uh, great question. Um, I do want to correct one thing. Theo Howard didn't play one play on Saturday. He played two, all right? So let's let's just get our facts straight here. He caught one ball, but also blocked or did something else on another play. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, he should be playing more. He he was a four star, not a five star, but he has that kind of elite ability. Um, who decides a receiver rotation? There's a lot of input, but generally it's the receiver coach. Um, in this case, Eric Garber. Um, yeah, it's a great question why he's not playing more, um, especially given UCLA's limitations at receiver where it still doesn't look like there's a go-to guy who's emerged. Um, I, I think we all thought preseason that Theo Howard had the potential to be that guy. 
but it hasn't happened yet, and he hasn't seen the field a whole lot at all. So I think everyone's hoping that he uh, starts to see the field a little bit more, but I, I think he could potentially be that playmaker for UCLA's offense that they could need, um, and it's just a matter of him getting on the field. And, you know, in general, uh, it depends on the, the staff, too. I mean, I think that some, ta- some cases, some programs, the head coach decides everybody. Like, yeah. he tells the wide receivers, these guys are playing, the wide receiver coach. Um, and there's other times where it's more of a delegation and, and each position coach is picking their guys. So I, I think it really depends on the staff. I've seen, seen it done different ways at USC with different uh, head coaches. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen the same thing, Dave, at UCLA. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it, it really does depend on the coach. I think with this staff, you know, Moro is generally pretty good at deferring when it comes to assistant coaches making their personnel calls, which I think is generally speaking the right way to go. If you hire the right people, you want to give them some autonomy to do their jobs. Um, but it does lead to these kinds of questioning moments like, hey, why is this guy playing so much and this guy isn't? So um, it'll be interesting to see if his role starts to increase because his one catch uh, on Saturday was actually pretty good. So. We will see. Um, okay, so I think we could tag team the sound effects. Yeah, I uh, think we can do it. Would you like to do the like the voice sound or like the background music? Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I think we probably do the the voice sound, right? Well, like we could do it together. Like I could do the background music thing. I'll try to do that, and then you could do the uh, so for Pac-12 roundup. Here's how here's how little I remember our sounds. I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, so I'm I'll start. Here, like, I can make a cat noise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, well, well, let's, well, let's try this out. There's like let's this, just go for it. This is like this violin kind of thing. Like do 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 do. Okay, that's probably terrible, but that was like kind of the was, background thing. So we'll just do the sound effect. <laughs> that was great. That was, <laughs> all right, Pack Twelve Roundup. Do, 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 right. do, do, do. Okay. Uh, so we're going to start at the bottom. Now we're here. Uh, if you guys get that, um, for our, our rankings, the ever popular, uh, podcast of champion power rankings, not a lot of shake up a little bit, uh, but the bottom and the top stayed the same. And at number 12, we have the Washington state Cougars. (laughs) Very good. Bravo. That was good. Um, so Washington State uh, lost to Boise State last week. I think we both picked this correctly. I think we had Washington State covering the spread, which was 11 points. Uh, Washington State lost by three. Um, had a furious fourth quarter comeback um, that ended with kind of a just a weak little drive there at the end where they managed the clock really, really poorly um, and just didn't generate much downfield. Um Boise State looked pretty good, but uh, they kind of faltered a little bit late, allowed Washington State back into the game. Cougs are 0-2 starting the season. Um, lost to Eastern Washington, which is pretty much unjustifiable, even though Eastern Washington's a pretty good FCS program. Lost to Boise State, you know, that's a pretty good program, but 0-2 to start a year when I think a, a lot of people had them as a dark horse uh, potential Pac-12 North champion. Pac-12 North champion. Nowth. I said Nowth. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a combination of North and South, everyone. Um, potential Dark Horse no, Pac-12 North champion, and certainly doesn't look that way at this point. No, you're right. And uh, last year they were able to bounce back after the loss to Portland State because they beat Rutgers. It was close, but they beat them, you know, 37-34. You know, they had a shot in this one, Dave. And you know, and I'm, I I want to give a big shout out now that I have the Pac-12 Network. 
I love it, man. I like having this thing. The game, the 60 minute games, like you get to watch those things. All that stuff's pretty cool. So uh, I was bummed that I didn't have it for a long time. So now that I got it, I do like what I'm seeing. Yeah, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. You get to, um, especially for jobs like ours, I mean, inside this this podcast a little bit, watching those hour recaps is a lot easier than watching a full game, especially because the Pac-12 loves to schedule things simultaneously. Yeah. So, you know, you have eight games on at 7.30 p.m. Um, it's a lot easier to watch them later on if you didn't catch something live, you know, because we're always flipping back and forth if it's not the team we particularly cover. Uh, but it can be hard to see every detail of a lot of these games. But then those 60-minute replays, you can see everything. I mean, they'll, they'll maybe if it's a really, you know, really long game, you might they might skip ahead in the action a little bit. But mostly you see every play they play, and it's great. Yeah, so that's, that's our little that's our little uh, pub for the uh, Pac-12 Network right there. Yeah, since our you know the intro to our show kind of takes a little shot of the Pac-12 Network, do want to give them some props that I, I I do like that, and it's I think it makes us do this a little bit easier. I tried. It's funny USC had an early game, 11 a.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Yeah. I you know you're never home if you're covering a game by like five o'clock and watching the primetime games, and uh, so it was kind of cool to be able to do that. So I had my laptop, I had the you know the TV laptop. And an iPad games going on because it's like three Pac-12 games at one time, so trying to watch all these. But they had a shot on this one, Dave. Uh, you know, I and I I don't remember what the over under was, but this is this is fewer points than I thought in this one. I thought there'd be a little bit more uh, scoring. But if if Washington State could have pulled this one out, certainly get out of the basement out of that number twelve spot. But it's uh, I don't know. They should beat Idaho next week, and they got a bye. Uh, but then it gets tougher with Oregon, Stanford. And UCLA back to back to back, and Arizona State too. Right after that, well, and let's let's talk this Idaho game. Um, you know that coveted 11 a.m. time slot goes to Washington State this week, and they do take on Idaho. Um, so a week ago, I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure there was not a line set on the Washington Idaho game. Uh, there is a line on this one: Washington State minus 26 and a half. And whenever you have a line on one of these cupcake games, especially against a team that just recently lost by about all of the points to another Pac-12 school, um, that's never a good sign for your program in the way it's trending. Um, so <laughs> this is on at 11 a.m. on the Pac-12 network. Washington State should beat Idaho, but I'm not saying anything with certainty about Washington State anymore. No, we're, we're uh, I think I'm going to take, I think, I'm, I think Washington State wins by like four touchdowns. So I think I'm going to take Washington State minus 26. <laughs> Au contraire. Give me them points. You want give the me, points? Give me those points. Give me all those points. I'm okay, taking so. Idaho. I'm writing this down in our Google Doc, so this I will have it with me at all times. Yeah, um, Washington State's winning this by 17, and it's going to be another kind of ugly game. Because if you remember last year, it took them a little bit of time to write the ship after that Portland State thing, and I think it's still going to take them a little bit of time. Idaho's not good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not banking on Idaho right here, um, but Washington State strikes me as a dysfunctional program at this point. Gabe Marks will score 21 points all on his own. <laughs> <laughs> I, all right. I'm not seeing it. We'll nice. see. Okay, so then we have number eleven, the do, Oregon do, State do, Beavers. Do, 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 do. Okay, um, oh. <laughs> that's the that felling of a tree. Basically, right? another cat noise. I I don't think I've got anything else but cat noises in my repertoire. It's like a. F- that's one. Oh wait, that's not the tree one. Which one's that? That's the. No, that is. This is the one that's sawing down the tree. I think. No, that's Stanford. Stanford. Yeah. So it's this one. Uh, wow. the timber. Maybe. Is, well, no. The yeah, no. this is the timber fall. No, that's Stanford. This is the beaver cutting down the tree with a chainsaw. Okay. 
Yeah, that's what this one is. That's what I was going for, but then you got me confused. All right. So Oregon State had a bye this week. Right. Um, and that was, uh, I, I thought, kind of ill-timed because they actually looked pretty good against Minnesota. They lost on the road, but they actually looked pretty good against Minnesota in week one. Um, now they get another Patsy, which I, if I was Oregon State, I would have preferred to have the Patsy in week two and just you know take out the aggression from losing that game against Minnesota, which was a winnable game for them. Yes. Uh, on Idaho State, but they've got Idaho State. No line on this game that I see. Um, it's a 2 p.m. kick at uh, on the Pac-12 network as well. Um, I think Oregon State might. I, I don't. I'm, I'm not ready to jump on the Colorado bandwagon, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, with respect to Oregon State, you know that esque bandwagon. But um, I, I think they're they're a, a semi competent team this year after not being so last year. Uh, Daryl Garrettson really does right the ship for them at quarterback. So. I'm expecting them to win a couple of games this year. I don't think they're going to be winless in the Pac-12, um, and I think this game they'll uh, they'll they'll notch their first win of the 2016 campaign. So no line. We both pick right Oregon State and uh, Gary Anderson's boys take care of business against exactly uh, Idaho State. Okay, uh, we'll see. Yeah, we uh, they look better. They did look better to me in that loss. It looked like a more cohesive team. It looked like you know, more like a Big Ten team it was Gary Anderson like. So we'll see. We'll see how they do, and then uh, what do they got after Idaho State? They got Boise State coming to Corvallis, so uh, they're able to win that one somehow. That would be uh, that would be pretty special. Yeah, that would be huge, and I think they'll. I think I think it's the kind of team that's going to be competitive in a lot of first halves this year. Yeah. All right, at number ten we have the Arizona Wildcats. I don't remember this one. Is it just another cat yeah, noise? Like a row. There we go. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. I could build it out of you. Uh, so Arizona. Okay, so this is a weird one. I was I was watching the UCLA game a lot, and so I, I flipped over to this one probably about I don't know. It was probably early second quarter because I was wrapping up stuff from the UCLA game, um, and Grand Point State was ahead at halftime, twenty-one to three. Yes. And here's the crazy part of this game. Grambling State's quarterback got hurt. If he doesn't get hurt, I think they win this one. I, that's, a, that's a note I wrote down from this one. It's like once he got hurt, they turned the ball over three times in the third quarter, and that's how Arizona took the lead. Like if he doesn't go down, I, I mean, Arizona probably scores, but I don't think they come back and win this game. No, and it, you know it, it took the you could just tell it kind of took the momentum all away from Grambling State, and it wasn't like Arizona suddenly seized it. They scored three touchdowns in the third quarter, but it wasn't like a super impressive looking three touchdowns. Um, and it, you know, Grambling State, it's the tricky thing with these programs that are a little bit you know talent barren. It's there's not a whole lot of depth behind the best guys you have. So their best guys, their quarterback, the guy behind him can't play. Um, and that's the unfortunate truth of these things. And so they can't really sustain it when they lose that kind of talent. Um, they they looked so much better than Arizona in this first half. And wow. then, you know, obviously Brandon Dawkins is doing his best. But um, I, I don't know that he's a long term answer for Arizona at quarterback. Um, he looked fine. Uh, didn't look anything special. Um, yeah, I know. I know Solomon was out for this game. People did. Yeah, I know Solomon was out for this game, and we'll see what his status is going forward. But um, you know, he ended up with some pretty good numbers. But in that first half, he really seemed to be scuffling a little bit, especially just in terms of throwing the ball. Um, he's a good athlete and can run. I mean, he had 16 carries for 97 yards and two touchdowns, so you can't complain about that. Um, but I think they're going to need more out of their passing attack uh, going forward because. You know, this Arizona D gave up 
uh, almost 500 yards to Grambling State. Um, and that BYU offense that they held down to a certain extent in week one is turning out to be not very good at all. So I think Arizona's got some questions on defense still. Um, and then so they're going to need to be a very explosive offensive team. And I don't know if they're quite there yet. And certainly they're not in the first half. They've scored three total first half points in the first two games. Uh, 44 in the second half total, but um, really struggling to score in the first half. Uh, those three points came against Grambling State, too. And just for reference, like, you know, do you remember the name? Like, do you remember Grambling State? Uh, I mean, they played, uh, who was it last year? We have, I, I think I wrote it down. It was, uh, oh, they played uh, Cal last year, the first game, and Cal scored 73 on them. It was 73 of 14. Um, yeah. So that's just for a reference. And, you know, Cal ended up being eight and five. Uh, so it's, uh, wasn't a pretty game overall. Yeah. And so, I mean, and Grambling State, just to give you some reference, I'm staring at the ESPN schedule pages for last week and this week right now. Grambling State is one of the few schools that doesn't have a profile. There's even some FCS programs that have team profiles on ESPN. Grambling State doesn't. That should tell you about the status of that program. Wow. Uh, this this is not a good team to only beat by 10. Um, but Arizona gets another Patsy next week, uh, or this week, at 745 on Saturday on the Pac-12 network. Hawaii comes to town, and this is Hawaii's fourth game in four weeks, and their third time traveling over 3,000 miles for a game <laughs> in four weeks. Um, so naturally, Arizona, even though they haven't looked particularly good, is favored by 24 and a half points. 24 and a half? Yeah. Wow. Uh, give me them points. You want them give, me, po- give me all those points. I'm, I'm taking Hawaii. Uh, I, I think Arizona wins by two touchdowns, but Hawaii actually looked okay against Cal. I think the, the travel caught up to him against Michigan, and they just got destroyed. Um, but they won last week, and they looked okay offensively. I think they'll be able to move the ball a little bit against Arizona. I, I, I think this is a two-touchdown game. I don't see... I don't see 24 and a half points. I think that's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I would give you like, yeah, I think the Arizona would win by 14. Yeah. And if, if the worst case scenario, they win by 21. Like, I, it's just hard to picture winning by more than that. So they'll probably go out and beat them by 100. But that's, you know, that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. I would not picture them winning by that many points in this game. No, I certainly wouldn't. Um, and, you know, it's it's going to – I think it'll be interesting to see if a new Solomon comes back. Um, last, I think, I read was that he's still uncertain for the game or questionable for the game with the knee injury. Um, Brandon Dawkins, I, I think he had a nice second half against uh, Grambling State, yeah. so maybe he puts it together in this game. But uh, I think this is a, a much closer game than Vegas seems to think. Yeah, this, this was my iPad game while I was watching uh, one of the late ones. So I, it was good I got to re-watch the uh – the 60 minute, um, you know, the 60 minute version. So it was, uh, it, it was even uglier. I think when you got to see, like, hear, like, the commenting and stuff, you're like, whoa, what is going on here? Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's go to our number nine team California Golden Bears. Rawr. Yeah. Something this like was like that, the, right? it's a very it's like, abrupt growl. Like, it's like real short, right? Something like there that. We, yeah. You had it, you had it better there. All right. A little too high. You put it nice and low. Um, all right. So the uh, the sturdy Golden Bear of California um, lost to San Diego State, but this is a really fun game to watch. Um, I watched this one on the hour. Oh, I watched the last chunk of it uh, live, but then I watched uh, watched a replay of it, and 
uh, Cal was in this one, and uh, you know they were they had a chance um, at the end. Uh, San Diego State ultimately pulled out the win, forty five forty. But this is a really fun game. Cal looks pretty explosive offensively still. I mean, Davis Webb went full air raid quarterback. Like these are some Luke Falk numbers: forty one for seventy two for five touchdowns and three interceptions and five hundred and twenty two <laughs> yards total. Total California had over uh, six hundred yards. Um, and they actually, I mean, they, they did a better job defensively against San Diego State than San Diego State did against them. Um, this was a true shootout. Uh, I think Cal could have won this one, and it was a seven-point San Diego State spread, so uh, they at least beat the spread, which uh, is really what we're going for in life. Uh, but I think Cal's going to be kind of like Cal was, what was that, two years ago, three years ago? A potentially dangerous team with an explosive offense, but pretty much no defense. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, this was pretty fun to watch, and uh, you could see, you know, they they made the comeback. They had some momentum. They weren't able to just, you know, kind of finish everything off. Um, but I was impressed with what Cal was able to do offensively. But the the question that we always have is, um, are they going to be able to do much on defense? And they lost, you know, lost a lot from last year. Is that necessarily a bad thing? Uh, it didn't look all that good against San Diego State, and. Uh, Pomfrey just went, you know, bananas on him. I don't know what you have his rushing numbers there, but he was just he just put on a clinic. Yeah, he ran for 281 yards <laughs> on 29 carries, so he almost averaged 10 yards a carry. <laughs> like, do you know how hard that is to do on like 10 carries, let alone on 29 <laughs> to average 10 yards a carry? Yeah. So that was, I mean, that was the problem, though. Is that you could feel like I just when you watch it, you kind of kind of got the sense like. Hey, Cal's got some momentum. They're they're moving the ball well. Uh, you know, Davis Webb finding guys open. You know, third down conversion stuff like that. But it almost didn't matter just because you knew as soon as San Diego State got the ball, they were just running it down Cal's throats and just it, they, it was like almost nothing you could do. Um, so they they had a shot there, but they would yeah, have needed and some they picked a, with what twenty three seconds to go on the San Diego State twenty two. Yeah, I mean. Uh, they had a real chance to win this one in regulation, and yeah, yeah. So it didn't work out for Cal, but I mean, I thought it was a pretty good effort. But just that defense is so terrible, and you know, Pomfrey's a great back. I got to you know see him sometimes just covering Fresno State the last couple of years. But man, it's uh, he he just looked like a Heisman Trophy winner, and uh, I have a feeling that Cal's going to do that to a lot of running backs this year. Yeah, he 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 truly looked. Like, I mean, he looked like he looks like one of the best backs in the country. And, <laughs> and I like I like Donnell Pumphrey, but he's probably not one of the best backs in the country. So, no. all right, but Cal, um, it's uh, they they. I don't know that it gets any easier no. <laughs> this week. Um, uh, on at seven thirty uh, on ESPN. Number 11, Texas, comes to town, and Texas is back to being a real football team. Yeah. Um, and if you liked the, uh, the, the shootout nature of last week, you're going to love this. Texas is favored by seven. The over-under, 81. 81, 81 points. One. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Texas has actually looked pretty good through... Um, through two games um defensively not so much uh sort of like cal but i think texas's offense is more balanced and better just in general than cal's and their defense is more talented um so i think texas is uh they're gonna win this one i 
I'm pretty sure. And I think they cover. I think I'm going to have I'm going to go slightly under and have them cover 45-35 Texas. What is so? What's the spread now? Seven Texas by seven. So okay, so plus seven. So that's plus seven for Cal. Um, I watched the end of the when I was flying back from Dallas. The end of the Texas Notre Dame uh, game was watching that in the airport, and just to see um, when they brought in swoops and he would just basically run, you know, like up the middle. Like it was like sorority football league, you know, whatever. You just like your quarterback's your best athlete. You just put her back there and let her run. That's pretty much what they were doing, and Notre Dame couldn't stop them. I can't imagine Cal being able to stop uh, Texas doing that too. So I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Texas and lay the points. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Cal, I, I think they're going to have a puncher's chance in a lot of games this year, and I think they have a puncher's chance in this one because their offense is clearly going to be explosive again. Um, but I think their defense is just such a limiting factor. And Texas, you know, uh, Shane Bichelle's getting a lot of the pub so far, but they've got an effective running game. I mean, between Chris Warren, Dante Foreman, Bichelle himself, Tyron Swoops, I mean, they've got some guys who can run the ball. Um, and I think they'll they'll be able to put a they'll be able to put up some nice totals <laughs> against that Cal rushing defense. So we both taking Texas plus seven. Yeah. Okay. Right. Sorry, Cal. Sorry, Sturdy Golden Bear, but. Um... You guys, you you know, Cal put up some points. Yeah. I just don't yeah. think they're going to be able to stop them. All right. So we have uh, the number eight team. The USC Trojans. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That was all right, right? Was, yeah, yeah. That's a good sword thing. Yeah. That was okay. Um, all right. So USC this past week um, pretty much took care of business against Utah State. Uh, crushed them at home. Uh, what was it? 45-7 to seven final? 45-7, yep. Yeah, so um, pretty good game overall for USC. I mean, they did uh, pretty much exactly what they needed to do after uh, getting shellacked in week one against Alabama. Um, you know, this was a pretty good offensive performance. Um, I think they're, you know, you might have a couple of questions about Max Brown just because he didn't look super sharp at the beginning and, you know, he didn't really lay it on with the passing attack, but um you know, rushing offense, they were fine, and defensively, they looked pretty good. I mean, what were your thoughts on this when you were watching it live? I was kind of basing it mostly on the replay. Yeah, you know, it was like we both, I think we both took uh, Utah State in the points. It was like 16 or something I, like that. I took USC to cover. Oh, you did? Oh, so you got this one right. I did not. Um, good job, Dave. The uh, it, it started, it was one of those things where if you were going to let it like athlete per athlete kind of decide the game then it wasn't it was going to be usc and that's pretty much how this one went they end up getting a block punt uh very early set usc up inside the 10 and uh, they were able to punch it in and just kind of the momentum was on their side i thought utah states uh would be able to move the ball a little bit better um the the defense was really stifling for usc i mean clancy pendergast was dialing up blitzes and bringing a lot of pressure and they forced a, a whole bunch of negative plays and it worked really well. And they didn't have the same kind of breakdowns that they did against uh, Alabama where you make one mistake and it's a touchdown. Right. So it's uh, I thought the defense played pretty well. Special teams was kind of uh, – I mean, they definitely won the special teams battle with the block punt and the Dory Jackson had a punt return for a touchdown. But those kind of things where it's like, okay, that adds a score here, that adds a score there, it kind of piled up a little bit. I, 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 I could see the game going a different direction if they played a couple of more times. 
but it just started going USC's way and it wasn't going to change. So it's, uh, you know, it was, I think you put it right. They, USC did what they needed to do. They had to try to bounce back against the uh, terrible game against Alabama. Um, and it's funny that the fans on our message board, they're kind of wait and see like, yeah, I beat Utah State, but now you got Stanford. What are you going to do there? So there, there's kind of like the fans didn't really enjoy the win all that much. They're just kind of waiting to see if that can carry over when they play Stanford this weekend. Yeah, the tenor of the USC fan base seems very interesting. So I, I want to take you through a thought experiment, and I know we did a version of this, but now I want to get a little bit more specific. Say USC gets blown out by Stanford. Yes. Then loses to Utah. Say it's a close game, but they lose. Then later on in the year, they get blown out by Washington, lose to UCLA, and get beaten by Notre Dame. Is Clay Helton still the coach after that regular season? I think there'd be a lot of pressure on uh, Lynn Swan that he wouldn't be the coach because then you're talking, uh, I mean, losing your last three games, losing six total. Yeah, I mean, at least. Uh, so that's, yeah. I mean, you didn't even mention Oregon. They play, you know, they got Oregon. I, I'm, I, I'm giving them Oregon. Okay. I'm going to say I'm gonna say they beat Oregon, but okay. the rest of those, because those, you know, those are, you know, reasonably tough defenses. And then UCLA is the rivalry game. I think there would be a lot of pressure just because you know losing the last three, losing both rivalry games, um, and and such a poor start to the season. I don't. I, I would. I would see things would probably be, you know, a miss there. I think there. You know, there's there's been off the field stuff. There's been all kinds of crazy things going on. So yeah. that kind of record, I would think that you know Lynn Swan would have to at least do something. I don't know if he'll. I mean, we just don't know. He's never been an athletic director before. We don't know if he's capable of just pulling the trigger after one year. Um, but I, I think the, the fan base, I think the alumni, the boosters would probably be pressuring him to do that. Yeah. So, all right. So now into the nuts and bolts, Max Brown. Okay. Game. Not bad. Yeah. Sam Darnold threw the ball seven times, two touchdowns, five completions, 62 yards, ran the ball a little bit better than Max Brown. Uh, do we have a brewing, uh, quarterback controversy here? According to Helton, no, that it's, it's Max Brown. He's a starter. They want to bring, uh, Darnold in for situations, uh, red zone stuff. Now they only played one, had one red zone play against Alabama. So that wasn't happening, but he came in at other times. But I think really a lot of it was, it's a crime that Max Brown never got a meaningful snap in his first three years at USC. Uh, they wanted that for Sam Darnold and that's part of the thing. And he brings a little bit different wrinkled to the offense and I think it helps too that if Max Brown does struggle um they'll have someone that's kind of ready to go in uh just in case like they both played against Alabama neither of them looked good but I didn't think like I said I don't think Joe Montana would have looked good in that game behind the line and all that kind of stuff so I I don't think there's a controversy uh but it's it's a way for Clay Helton to kind of set things up if they need to go to Sam Darnold because of something with Brown they'd be ready for it is the wrinkle that Sam Darnold brings to the offense that he's better than Max Brown (laughs) Because in my in my yeah, I mean obviously it's based on one game opinion, well two games opinion, but they yeah. really neither of them did much against Alabama. Uh, I I think he's better than Max Brown. He's been impressive. Um, he really has, and uh, but I think Max Brown has the, the the locker room. I think he's won a lot of those guys over. Uh, we'll see. I mean, um, it's important to have a locker room. It is, and you know, but I think there's some issues with Sam Darnold as well. He's definitely more athletic. Uh, and he can run more, but I don't think the offense is really set up to take advantage of that all that much. It'll it'll mostly be if a play breaks down, he could take off and do something. Uh, it's just to me, it's more about the offensive scheme. It just doesn't it doesn't really have any rhyme or reason. It doesn't look like they have a clear identity like their opponent Stanford's going to have. So I think they want to try to get back to that. But for right now, there's just no identity there. 
All right. Prime time, 5 p.m. Uh, on ABC, USC going at number seven, Stanford. This has been a weird series, though. Uh, Stanford is favored by eight and a half, but this has been a strange series the last couple of years. Uh, this was the game that famously got me incensed with David Shaw in 2014 um, when he somehow managed to lose this one uh, by calling like 700 different Wildcat plays. <laughs> uh, but uh, these two programs do seem like they are kind of in different positions. Stanford is obviously the stable program, the most stable program, you know, in the Pac-12, I yeah. would say. Um, and USC is maybe the most unstable over the last two years. I think that's probably a fair thing to say, yeah. right? Yeah, firing coaches in the middle of the season. Yeah. I think that, that qualifies, yes. It qualifies. Um, Stanford uh, didn't play last week, so um, we'll obviously get to, I mean, we'll probably talk about them a little bit ahead. They're, I, I don't know, are we? Are we going to talk about them a little bit ahead, or is this their preview, too? We haven't um, thought this through. Yeah, I guess we. this is their preview, too, since we're... So Stanford is the number one team, so yeah. the Stanford Cardinal. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tree falling down. Um, so Stanford didn't play last week. Uh, they looked okay in, against Kansas State. I think it was just kind of the typical Stanford opener. Right. Or a little underwhelming in the second half. But in that first half, they looked darn impressive. And I think if they can get uh, away from that deciding to play two quarterbacks thing and just play Ryan Burns, um, I think they'll look even better. Um, offensively, they looked fine. And defensively, I thought their defensive line looked pretty good. I think Harrison Phillips might be hurt, though. Uh, so they're a little dinged up on the defensive line. Uh, but their defense looks like it's maybe taken a step forward after last year was maybe a step back for that defense, um, which maybe doesn't bode well for USC, which is still obviously figuring things out offensively. Um, I, I, I've gone back and forth on this one a few times. I think Stanford wins and covers, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think they win by like 10. Um, so like something like 31-20, 31-21, something in that range. You know, I, I think Stanford's the... They've, I think they're a little deeper on the defensive line, you know, get a loss and stuff. But I think they could withstand a loss this year better than last year. They were so thin on the defensive line last year. They didn't really have any subs. Um, I do think the USC defense is going to play better. They didn't have a scheme. They didn't have any kind of plan for Christian McCaffrey last year. They'll at least have some kind of plan. I'm not going to guarantee it's going to work or say it will, but they'll at least have something planned. Like, hey, they're not going to just treat him like any. Hey, other let's player. tackle that guy. Yeah. <laughs> He had 481 total yards, I think, against USC last in the championship game. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think he goes off like that uh, against USC. But he can do a lot of things. And it's funny, USC last year, they had 11 uh, touchbacks on kickoffs total. And they've already got seven through the first two games this year. So I think you can kind of eliminate some of those returns uh, by just kicking the ball out of the back of the end zone, which they weren't really able to do last year. I think that should help a little bit. When it was six and a half, I was going to take um, Stanford uh, and, and lay the points. But with getting eight and a half, it, once it pushed over a touchdown, I kind of think it'll be a touchdown game. So I'll actually take USC on this one. Uh, All right. Plus eight and a half. It was, but it was earlier in the week, it was six and a half, and it went the other way. Uh, so this is a historic moment in this podcast because I think this might be the first time you've ever taken USC. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, I was wrong. You were usually get USC wrong. Yeah. Um, um, and I was I was wrong last week. I thought they would not. Um, well, I guess I was wrong week one because I I was going to take Alabama and, and lay the points, and so that was right. But um, yeah, usually get the USC game wrong. I do kind of tend to pick against USC, but it's usually the point. I mean, it's point spread. You know, it's like yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this also goes against my thing when it's moving one way. Usually that's a reason it's moving that way. But it pushed it over that, you know, the touchdown mark, which it's a significant move, you know. No, it was significant for me because six and a half, it was no question Stanford, but eight and a half made me think. Yeah. So I, I think that was a significant couple point move. Um, I think Christian McCaffrey is still going to be able to run through that defense. I mean, I, I, I just I'm not seeing USC having a super strong rushing defense at this point. Um, so I think he's going to be able to do it. And um, I'm not super confident in Max Brown against a good Stanford defense. So, all right. So that's the Pac-12 opener, basically, like first Pac-12 Pac-12 game, right? That's, right. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So let's move on. That was number eight USC and number one Stanford. They remain our number one spot, even though they only played one game. We're giving them the benefit of the doubt as returning Pac-12 champs. Uh, we'll move up to number seven. We have the UCLA Bruins. Roar. <laughs> Yeah, that was a longer roar. Yeah, it's a longer roar, but I, I don't think I can do the roar. I think you might have to handle the roar. Roar. That was better. Is that better? I don't know. Yeah, that was better. I liked it. That's pretty good. Okay. Um, so UCLA beat UNLV 42-21, but that does not in any way tell the story of this game. No. This was a 28-21 game heading into the fourth with UNLV driving. Um, UCLA <laughs> poured on 14 points late, but this was a very close game, much, much closer than it should have been given the disparity in talent levels. Uh, UCLA's defense did not look good in this one. Um, UNLV was able to rush pretty much at will. They got five yards of carry. Um, and, you know, Johnny Stanton, if he didn't throw a couple of arm punts, this would have been a different game. Uh, UNLV's quarterback, Johnny Stanton. Uh, UCLA offensively um, looked better and more comfortable than they did in week one against Texas A&M. So that's a good sign. Um, and they were able to put together some two pretty impressive drives late. Um, so all of that's really, really good. But uh, you have to you have to be worried about the defense at this point that it was able that it was able to give up 21 points and that kind of rushing performance to a team like UNLV. That's just not good. I wanted to write Jim Moore a letter because I was very upset, um, but he made me sweat at the end because I, I, I believe I picked UNLV in the points and it was like yeah I know twenty six or something, and he was driving. He was trying to score again. He was, and it was so it was you know a seven point game like you said, and UNLV had the ball like they could have tied the game. Yeah, um, I felt pretty confident right then that I had picked correctly. Yes, and then they made me sweat. And they were kind of like, if you put another touchdown on the board and we lose this game, I'm not going to be happy about that. So that was really, I was very stressed at the end of watching this game, Dave. I don't know what to do. I, I wanted to write him a letter. I wanted to do something. But it just didn't seem like, at that point, if, if UCLA covered, it wouldn't have seemed fair. No, it wouldn't have been fair. I think that's why it didn't happen. I think that's why we all, I, I think we all hoped and and wished, and, and it didn't happen. Um, there were some impressive highlights from this game. I mean, Soso Jamabo had one of the craziest touchdown oh. runs I've seen yeah, in that, quite a long time. That was nuts. Uh, yeah. The full reversing feel. That, that, it really did feel, I mean, I don't want to compare him to because I don't, I don't think he's necessarily that caliber of player, but it, it had the feel of one of those Reggie Bush runs yeah. from 2004, 2005, when it was just like, what are you doing, man? Oh, oh, oh okay, you're going to score a touchdown. All right, cool. Um, just, you know, kind of a questionable decision, and then it turns into something incredible. Um, reversed field, picked up a block from Josh Rosen and uh, went down the sideline for a touchdown. Um, but there was there was some cool stuff like that, but uh, I think the defense is, is definitely UCLA's big question coming out of this one. What did you think of uh, Rosen and how he played? He was okay. Uh, he wasn't... He wasn't 
he wasn't he wasn't the Josh Rosen I think everyone was expecting heading into this year, but he was better than he was against Texas A&M. I think it helped that UNLV didn't have much of a pass rush, and so he could get a little bit more comfortable um, in the offense. Uh, I think he's still got a ways to go. You know, he, you got to keep in mind with Rosen that he's never really gone under center before. Like, this is his first real time doing that. So there's some kinks when they do that. When he's in the shotgun, he looks a lot more comfortable, but when he's under center, he just looks a little bit, just not even a huge amount, but just a little bit off. Um, and so I think, you know, just getting all that footwork right, getting everything right, that might be a process that takes a while. But he made some strides in game two after game one was not very good. So hopefully he continues to kind of move along that way. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought he did pretty good. There were, I mean, there were some some flashes, some good moments, and then some other, you know, not as good. Sure. And Yeah, But it exactly. was really the defense, you know, because it, this is a – they have a high school coach. You would <laughs> You know what? I'm going to say this. Uh, I think Tony Sanchez is going to do some good things there. He, yeah, it, he's a, he impressed me. You know, I mean, I, they they hung tough there for a while, and they once they started scoring and they you know they cut it to seven and they were driving. You could tell like that was like a team that they believed in themselves. You know, like they thought they could they, joke. they could win. You know, you know it's it's always a thing with with programs like that. They just want to avoid being a joke. And UNLV is not a joke this year. Yeah. I think they're going to win. You know, they're they're going to be a solid four or five win team. Um, I don't think they're getting to a bowl, but I think they'll be a solid four or five win team that's in a lot more games than they win. Because they were last year, they were a three and nine team, but they were in three or four other games where they it was a one score game and they could have won. So it'll be funny to see. You know, not funny, but it'll be interesting. A couple years from now, you know, assuming Tony Sanchez is still there, uh, what they look like? Because um, it could be, you know, they could be a contender. In the Mountain West, um, if you uh, keep they're going to always struggle to recruit the way Boise State and San Diego State do, but they're going to be. I think they'll be a solid middle of the pack team. All right, you know, you want to beat some of those teams in the yeah. in conference and stuff. All right, so let's. Uh, UCLA is playing again this week uh, at seven fifteen p.m. on ESPN two. The Bruins going at BYU. Uh, BYU is a de facto member of the Pac-12 this year uh, because this is their third Pac-12 opponent. <laughs> um, UCLA is favored by three in this one, which on the surface is probably an interesting line to people. But when you really dive into BYU and if you really watch the game against Utah, this is not a good BYU team. Um, they benefited by a ton of unforced errors by Utah to even be in that game. Uh, Taysom Hill can't throw at all. Um, and he's actually lost a step a little bit running the ball. I mean, if you remember watching him two or three years ago, he was electric and yeah. now he's, he's still fast, but he's not, he's not the, you know, the complete, you know, crazy threat on every play that he was once upon a time. And defensively, they're just okay. Um, they're not great. And I think UCLA obviously has the talent advantage, but I think they'll also, I think this might be a good game for them to finally have a good rushing performance against a rush offense i mean if they're ever going to have one eddie vanderdos probably coming back in this game to karis mckinley hopefully coming back in this one at least jim morris says they're going to be back um so that'll shore up the defensive line um i i, I think ucla wins this i think it'll be by about a touchdown i've got them 31 24 yeah i'm i'm with you on that i think it's going to be about a touchdown game byu they're kind of one of those teams where if it's close they can do something crazy at the end uh they always seem to um I just, I don't think it's going to be that close though. You know, it might be a t maybe they cut it to from fourteen to, to seven late or something like that. But I think UCLA will play better and handle business on the road. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because he used to be a, he'll, he used to be able to throw. 
And I like the way he was running around. He just doesn't look like the same quarterback. So I don't know if it's a an age thing, like what you know, a couple of years ago, what he was twenty eight as a freshman. Now he's thirty. Maybe that's a threshold that he's getting a little older. I don't know. He he, he had that Liz Frank fracture last year, and I think that probably dinged him up a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm interested to see when they do turn to Tanner Mangum because I think it's sooner rather than later. He was the guy who filled in last year, yeah, and it's much more of that true pocket passer, and that seems to be the way they are going with that offense. So I think he might be a better fit. If they go with Tanner Mangum in this game, um, I'm not so confident in the pick because I think he's a much better fit for BYU's offense. I'm just not anticipating them making that move quite yet. All right, so we'll both take uh, UCLA laying uh, the field goal. Exactly. Uh, let's move to the top half, which we have a uh, a new member. Yeah. Someone that's never been there before, Dave. Number six. The Colorado Buffaloes. <laughs> that sounds that was, like a car that couldn't start. <laughs> that was a stampeding uh heard of buffalo <laughs> so everyone knows um so colorado uh I, all right i said i was gonna talk about this up top i'm on the colorado bandwagon Woo. i think Colorado's not only okay i think they're good um cephal lufau looks great so far this season um their defense looks pretty good so far admittedly they haven't played really anybody but their defense looks the part um they gave up they gave up 96 yards to idaho state this weekend and Here's the thing. So Idaho State's not a good team. No. We're not. We're not. We're not making that claim here. But when you only give up 96 yards to a team, it doesn't matter if they're good or bad. You can give up 96 yards to a high school team. This was a really, really impressive feat for Colorado. Great defensive performance. Um, rushing the ball, they looked good. Passing the ball, they looked good. Um, I think you have to be happy with uh, with what Colorado's shown thus far this season. Yeah, um, 96 yards. I'd have to do the calculations, but that's. I don't even think that's as much as a whole football field. So that's uh, that's pretty good, you know, as far as defense. But, yeah, they, I mean, last year they had a whole bunch of dudes. They had 23 different guys making their first career start. And now they got so many dudes back uh, yeah. with returning starts. It just looks like more of a real team. Um, you know, Mike McIntyre has his plan, and all coaches have a plan, and sometimes they just fall apart. But it looks like this one's actually starting to work. Uh, I was watching the – the 60 minute version of this one and it was 49 nothing at half um so basically yeah. they just had to you know take their foot off the gas but every time you know, i'd be like doing some work and i just hear shea fields or do that you know he was, <laughs> just makes another play they were just making plays all over the place it was an absolute i mean they could have named the score basically and uh and did what they want especially not giving up any yards um so it's i think it's a real team I agree with you. I don't know if I'm on like the full-on bandwagon. This is a team, though, that I think you want to be good. And I think if if they get better, uh, and, and we have to give it up to uh, what's David Pilati. Is that his name? Uh, the SID from Colorado. Oh, yeah. That was so good. He the, sent out a – so out. they played you – know, Jim Harbaugh doesn't do depth charts. And usually in the, the pre – you know, they send out the pregame notes and you have the depth charts for both teams. So he made up a whole bunch of <laughs> – he made up a depth chart for Colorado with a lot of like movie characters and stuff, and it was hilarious. My favorite, like, all right, the, all the references were funny and everything, but my favorite were the position names because he went like free safety, costly safety, <laughs> strong safety, weak safety, yeah. halfback, quarter, like one. It was, it, I don't even one know how to back or one yeah. quarterback or something. Um, <laughs> But it was all very funny. Um, yeah, Colorado does go on the road to play Michigan. Jim Harbaugh was not happy with that depth chart, by the way. Oh, he, he was not? He put something today. He was like, uh, we didn't have time during our preparation this week to be funny. I don't know how many hours they spent doing that. It's like, <laughs> Whatever, man. 
Chill out. It's like it's uh, a sports information director. Like, what's he doing? He's writing the press release. You know, you, you saved him time by not putting out your depth chart, so he got to have some time to make fun of some uh, make fun of that. So, all right. Well, obviously, this is the biggest game of the week, and I don't know why it's not at 5 p.m. on ABC, but uh, Colorado going at number four Michigan, 12:30 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. Which come Ugh. on, get this on, get this on ABC. Um, Michigan's favored by 19 and a half, which that I, I I'm not seeing that. I mean, Michigan's pretty good, but they're no Colorado. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a big uh, big buff this year. I'm taking uh, Michigan to win. But I think it's going to be more like a 31-21. I think Colorado's going to hold tough in this one. I think it'll be a close-ish game at halftime. And then Michigan, just through kind of talented and, you know, the fact that Jim Harbaugh is, uh, is a freak of a coach, um, I think they'll they'll pull away a little bit at the end. But I think, I think it's more like a 10-point game, not a 20-point game. I'm in agreement with you, bud. I think, uh, I would, I think Michigan will win this game. Now, could it, it could get out of control. It's going to have to be – you have to see some mistakes made by Colorado that we haven't seen yet this year. Um, I mean, they, they pasted Colorado State, obviously pasted Idaho State. Pretty clean performances. It's going to be different playing in the big house and all of that. But as, as long as they play their game and it's not like, oh, they give up a block punt, they, you know, pick six, it was a stupid play. I mean, stuff like that happens. Yeah, it, it could get out of control. And that's where you're going to see the three scores or more, uh, losing by three scores or more. But I, I kind of think... They'll play disciplined. Uh, the experience factor will be there, and probably not enough to win the game, but certainly enough to make it competitive. So I think it'll be a competitive one. Maybe they end up losing by ten, uh, but I think nineteen and a half is too many points. So I, I, I'm going to take Colorado plus nineteen and a half as well. All right, so let's move on. Number five, the Utah Utes. Some boom. I, I don't even know how to make an arrow noise. I don't oh, yeah. get it. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, we dropped Utah this week just because um, really watching that game, they did not look sharp against BYU. Um, threw a bunch of picks, fumbled the ball a bunch. Troy Williams did not have a good game. Um, and I don't think that was a super strong BYU defense. I think they're okay. I don't think they're great. Um, we still have them pretty high because Utah is 2-0. and uh, But I think that's two straight games where they haven't looked super impressive. They beat Southern Utah 24-0 in the first game, which was cool because they shut them out, but they didn't score a whole lot. And now this game, you have to have some concerns about Utah's offense. Um, Troy Williams threw three interceptions against one touchdown. Um, running the ball, uh, I think Joe Williams retired after did, this game. yeah. Um, so they're, they're down a running back that they thought was going to be one of their main guys. Um, they also lost Kylie Fitz, uh, defensive end, who's who was you know probably one of their stars on defense, um, and I think he's done for his career because he lost a year uh, because he transferred within the conference. Um, so lots of really unfortunate news for Utah. Um, uh, and this game, it was just a funky game. It's a real credit to them that they won, uh, but this was this was a tie game that BYU decided they wanted to go for two and try to win in overtime or before overtime. But otherwise, it would have gone to overtime, and I'm not sure I would have taken Utah in overtime. Yeah, that that was an interesting decision, and uh, and that's usually one that goes BYU's way. They do those kind of crazy things at the end of the game, and it, it works out. And so yeah. Kyle, Kyle Whittingham had to be sweating, um, knowing they had that game and, and kind of blow it at the end. Uh, you know, I I think you got to give them credit for turning the ball over six times and winning. Yeah. That's not easy to do, and you know BYU is at least a decent team. They haven't, you know, where where where, where we rank BYU in the Pac-12 South right now since they played 
Three uh, Pac-12 teams already. Um, but I think they'd be, they'd be somewhere. Uh, I don't know. They'd be. Uh, I don't think they're very good. I think they'd be fifth or sixth. Okay. Um, but yeah, we could we could put them in our Pac-12 power, you know, uh, podcast of champions power ranking since they've only played Pac-12 teams. We but, could. Uh, six turnovers and winning is not uh, easy. I, you know, Kyle Woodingham's a good coach. That's something like that is not. Uh, he's not condoning that kind of uh, performance. I think they're going to have to bounce back. Um, you know, they play San Jose State this week, so it's not going to be as difficult. But maybe it's one of those things where you get away with playing that sloppy on offense and turning the ball over that much and still squeaking out a win. That that's kind of a good lesson sometimes where. You know you're going to get chewed out still, and there's going to be a lot of things to. But at least there's not that L. You got a W, and you're getting your your butt chewed out. Um, so maybe this helps them kind of going forward. Um, but they haven't been as sharp as I as, as I would like to see. They were kind of you know, we both were kind of getting on them late as as being potential Pac-12 South champions. And uh, I don't know, they just haven't been as impressive. Uh, we'll see. They get you know they get rolling. They got San Jose State, and then they play USC on a Friday night. Uh, so we'll see, but it it you're right. It I thought they'd beat BYU by a little bit more than that, and uh, just that it came down to a two point conversion at the end of the game was kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. So Utah does go on the road to take on San Jose State this weekend at 7:30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Uh, Utah's favored by 13 and a half. San Jose State's not good. Uh, this is kind of a funky line, um, which makes me a little bit concerned. San Jose State's a team that went six and seven last year. Um, lost to Georgia State in a bowl game. Um, didn't look great last year. And then this year, they've already lost to Tulsa by 35 points. So um, I, I think this is more concerns about Utah than anything, especially with Joe Williams and Kylie Fitz now out. Um, I, I think I, I'm just going to I'm, I'm going to trust Vegas here and go and I'm going to go with San Jose State. I think Utah wins, but I think it's going to be by like 10. Um, I don't I don't. I don't see him covering it, especially with their offense still looking a little janky. Is it 13 and a half? 13 and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, I probably would have put down 14 uh, if I was just, you know, randomly. So I'll, I'll take Utah laying the, the 13 and a half points. I'll go opposite you on this one. I, I just feel like they're going to bounce back and play a little bit better. I mean, if you could lose by that much against Tulsa, yeah, they're coming home. Utah will be on the road, but. Uh, and it, potentially they could be looking ahead to that USC game because it's a short week heading to that. But I'm going to go with my gut here and say they would win by 14. And I'll take uh, I'll lay the 13 and a half. All right. Number four, we have the Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> well, that's a good good devil. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. That was okay. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't anything special, but it was fine. Um, this was uh, this was tons of fun to watch. Uh, Arizona State <laughs> almost went over on its own, uh, uh, beat Texas Tech sixty eight fifty five. So many points. Kalen Balage scored all of the touchdowns. I think he had eight total. Um, so he scored about I don't know what the math is. Probably like eighty percent of eighty five percent of Arizona State's yeah. eight score. touchdowns. He tied an NCAA record, but for the most touchdowns ever. That is wild. Um, Texas Tech was no slouch, largely because Arizona State's defense isn't very good. But Arizona State's offense took advantage of a very bad Texas Tech defense. I think the most exciting thing, if I'm an Arizona fan and uh, or as Arizona State fan, wow, they're so mad at me right yes. now. Um, if I'm an Arizona State fan, the most exciting thing for me was Manny Wilkins' performance. Um, even with Kalen Balaj and the whole deal, uh, the fact that you knew you knew what you were getting out of that those running backs, 
Demario Richard and Kalen Balazs were going to be good this year. But you didn't know what you were getting out of quarterback. And so far, Manny Wilkins looks pretty good. Um, he's run the ball well. He's shown off that dual threat ability, but he's also thrown the ball well. He's completed 75% of his passes um, and looks more than competent uh, tossing the ball around. And I think that was a concern coming into the year. And they look good offensively. I think defensively, they're going to have trouble stopping a lot of teams. But I think they're also going to score a lot more than a lot of teams. I think they suddenly became one of the more dangerous teams, especially in a wide, wide, wide open Pac-12 South. You know, Arizona State concerns me a little bit. I felt they left some points on the table, Dave. Like, it, it, it's, it could have easily been 75. Is you're joking, but you're not wrong. <laughs> points on the table. There were points to be had that they left. <laughs> they could have scored 75 or maybe they 82. They scored so much more. They scored so much more. That Texas Tech defense was asking for it. It was, I mean, yeah, it's just... It, it, you could go get a sandwich and miss like three touchdowns. You know, it was like just nuts. The stuff that was going on in this game and like no one could stop anybody. anybody. And yeah. I think it helps, you know, Manny Wilkins did look good. He's very, been very efficient, which I think when you get a new quarterback, if they can play efficiently, I, I like that a lot. But knowing that you got, you know, Demario Richard and, and Kalen Balaj running the football for you and Balaj obviously went, I think it was seven rushing touchdowns and one receiving. So it was, it was crazy. 15 touches and eight touchdowns. So that's a, yeah, more that's than good. half the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that, that's a, but obviously it's, it's great as a quarterback if you have something like that to uh, rely on. So it's, I think it's helped him uh, be efficient. You know, we'll see when the, the schedule gets tougher, what they're able to do. But I, you know, I really like the offense. You, you kind of would always talk about, what they would do on defense and how aggressive they would be. Now it just seems like, you know, they're aggressive, but they just just but have bus all over the place and just give up a crap load of points. Um, so maybe it'll just be a fun thing for Arizona State all year trying to outscore people. That certainly was what happened against uh, Texas Tech and just defensive coordinators just watching that game just had to be like, you know, looking for like the syringe and heroin in their top drawer. Like, what is going on here? I can't handle this. This got uh, dark quick. Um, <laughs> well, you, you talked about schedule getting tougher. Uh, that's not happening this week. Um, on Friday night, Arizona State going at Texas San Antonio. So it's not a home game. Uh, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN2 uh, in the Alamo Dome. ASU is favored by 20 on the road. So um, I don't think Texas San Antonio is very good. Um, this is the one that you commonly see as UTSA. Um, when you're looking at the abbreviations on ESPN yeah. and you're wondering what a team is, UTSA, that's Texas San Antonio. Um, they beat, I think, Alcorn State to start the year, but then lost to Colorado State 23-14. And Colorado State, again, is a team that lost to Colorado by all of the points. Um, so San, o San Antonio, uh, Texas San Antonio is not very good. ASU's offense looks great. I, I, I think, even though it's on the road and even though it's 20 points, I think I'm taking Arizona State to cover here. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think Kalen Balazs himself could probably cover, but, you know, 20. So I, they'll win by three touchdowns. They have to. If they don't win by three touchdowns, there's something wrong. If I, you look at that box score the next day and they didn't win by 21, I'd be shocked. So I'll, I'll take, I'll lay the 20. And then just, just to give everyone a little teaser, next week they play Cal at home. There are going to be so many points scored in that game. <laughs> Kalen Balazs is going to have 15 touchdowns. It's going to be great. That would be a lot of touchdowns. That would be a lot of touchdowns. That would be a record since he tied the record with eight. That's right. That's right. All right, let's move on to number three. The Oregon Ducks. Quack, 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 quack. 
pretty good. It was all right. It wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't the best. Best I've ever had. Uh, so Oregon number twenty four beat Virginia. Um, this is a forty four twenty six game, but it wasn't that close at halftime. This was a thirty to six game. Uh, Oregon was ahead by twenty four. They made us look bad uh, by not covering, um, but they uh, they poured it on offensively. You know, had to survive a little bit of a Virginia rally late, but it wasn't even. I mean, it wasn't even a close game. I don't know how much you can take away from that second half. Oregon's defense still isn't great. Um, I think that's something you can take away from this game. They're not, you know, they, they don't look all that sharp in that new uh, kind of four three ish type system. Um, but uh, offensively, they're looking good. Dakota Prukop had another fine game at quarterback. Their rushing attack still very very good with Royce Freeman. Um, so a lot to like about Oregon in this game. Um, but I think uh, some things that necessarily need some improvement on uh, the defensive end. Yeah, I thought uh, Prukop. I thought he found his receivers pretty well and, uh, you know, did a good job with that. Royce Freeman, you know, he's a stud. I, I don't like when they call him Rolls Royce that, you know, the, the announcers are saying that I'm like, yeah, that's, I don't know if I like that so much, but, um, but yeah, I thought Prukop played pretty good. Royce is a stud. The, uh, it's funny early in the game, Virginia tried a fake field goal and it's yeah. like, that's probably not the team you try that against like they don't kick a lot of field goals they do fake they do all the kind of crazy stuff all the time like if any team's ready for something like that you would think oregon would be yeah um and uh and oregon scored that first touchdown and they do the you know on the um extra point yeah they they do the crazy stuff and like the i think it was the first one the virginia guy ended up just pushing the center on purpose to to get a a penalty um because they weren't ready (laughs) It. So there was some kind of crazy stuff. Virginia missed a PAT, uh, but maybe the craziest play, Dave, was third and thirty-six, <laughs> and Oregon converted. And it wasn't a dump off where the guy breaks a couple tackles and runs. It was a like forty-yard in the air pass that they completed. Yeah, that was impressive. That was um, damn impressive. But yeah, it was just it was kind of a weird game where Virginia scored late, but you know Oregon kind of had control of this one, and um, yeah, I thought you know. I thought it was pretty good. I think, you know, there's a reason why we have Oregon up at number three. Um, you know, this one at Nebraska, that's going to be, yeah, they're, they're not a favorite in that one, which, you know, they have, it's not often that Oregon isn't the favorite, um, yeah. but that'll be interesting to see that. That'll be more of a true test. I don't know if Virginia, how good they are, how good of a test that is. Yeah. So this is at 1230 PM on ABC, uh, you know, kind of the big afternoon games. This is a great week for college football in general beyond the PAC 12. So take a look around, but Number 22, Oregon going at Nebraska. The first time they've gone at Nebraska since, I think, the 80s. Um, Nebraska's favored by three, over-under set at 74, so it's expected to be a high-scoring game. You know, Nebraska, um, you know, if you look at their scores, they've looked pretty impressive. Um, that Wyoming game, though, it wasn't maybe as impressive as the the score indicates, 52-17, but uh, it took a little bit of time for Nebraska to really get going. Um, after three quarters, it was 24-17 Nebraska. And then they scored 28 unanswered in the uh, fourth quarter. Um, but Nebraska looks pretty good. Tommy Armstrong looks like a legitimate quarterback now. Um, admittedly, not against great competition. But then again, Oregon hasn't played great competition. Um, I think this is one of those classic nobody really knows what to expect games. So they're given three points to the home team. Uh, but I, I could see this one going any of you know seven different ways. I think I'll take Nebraska just because I liked what I saw out of them the last time they played a competent team when they beat up UCLA in the bowl game. Um, they looked tough. They looked strong. Um, and I think you know their physicality uh, could cause some issues for Oregon. And Oregon hasn't played a real opponent with their uh, new 
defensive scheme. So I'm interested to see how they handle Tommy Armstrong and that offense. So I think I'm going to take Nebraska. I mean, I'd love to take a push, but I think that's a coward to move out. Um, I'll take them like 37-31. All right. Uh, I'll go opposite you. I'll take Oregon. I'm kind of a Pac-12 homer this week, I think. Are. Yeah. Uh, I'll take Oregon. Getting three points. Here's my here's my rationale, Dave. How Give often did Mike Riley beat Oregon? Like, just not very often. Like, there's got to be bad memories there. He's I just like think for his last seven or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to say the streak continues, and Mike Riley will continue to not be able to beat Oregon. I'll take Oregon plus three. All right. And one last game to cover. It's the number two team, the Washington Huskies. Rough, rough, <laughs> rough. <laughs> rough. I didn't have my heart in that one. I didn't have my heart in that one. That was yeah. bad. That was bad. <laughs> All right, so Washington, uh, as we talked about a little bit up top, because um, we were talking about Washington State's game, Washington beat up on Idaho uh, last week. Uh, it was 35 nothing at the half, ended up 59-14, just doing whatever it wanted to, as a good team should against a team like Idaho. Uh, Miles Gaskin you know, had an efficient game, 12 carries for 67 yards. Jake Browning, 23 of 28 for five touchdowns. 10 yards in attempt. That's exactly what you want from a good quarterback against a bad team. And defensively, they pretty much shut this team down when it mattered. Um, Idaho ended up with over 300 yards, but most of that came in junk time. Uh, Washington looks good. Um, it's going to be a, a fun year watching the Huskies to see if they can actually uh, put it all together for an entire season. I mean, a lot of takeaways for the Washington defense. And I think Jake Browning just seems to get better. We saw him get better last year towards the end, and uh, he looks like a different quarterback now. He's that much. I mean, a, a lot of people think, you know, he's the best quarterback in the, well, I don't know, a lot, but, you know, in the, the Pac-12. And, you know, Josh Rosen, I still think he's the best one, but Browning's up there. You know, he's he's been really impressive. An efficient day like that. Um, gets a little tougher this week, Dave, with Portland State. No, I'm just kidding. But they're – I. <laughs> I want to watch why. I mean, this is a team to watch, you know, because there's it's a big play defense. It's a defense yep. that can stifle you um, and turn you over, and they can score. It's a, it's, you know, they're, they're going to come at you from a couple different ways. So I really like what, um, you know, Chris, Chris Peterson's doing up there. They're a legit contender in the North. You know, we know that. Uh, that the Washington Stanford game is going to be. Uh, pretty special in a couple of weeks. So that's, that's definitely one you want to watch. Uh, but you know, for now, they you know we got them a number two for a reason, and that that Washington Stanford game week five will determine who's number one in the because these two these look like the two best teams in the conference right now, for sure. So Washington's playing Portland State at five p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. I imagine there are even some Washington fans who won't watch this and will instead watch USC Stanford. <laughs> but um, if you are watching it, uh, Washington State or Washington should beat Portland State by all of the points, unlike Washington State last year, which lost to Portland State. Um, so, uh, I don't have much analysis for this one. Don't get hurt. Anybody, um, have fun, enjoy your orange slices. Um, but, uh, they should kill Portland state. No, like no line in this one, right? No line. Yeah. Um, yeah. so take yeah all the points. We both pick Washington to, you know, just crush them. Uh, then they go to Arizona after that. And then of course, uh, Stanford visits Washington in week five. So that'll be. The game of the year, probably in the Pac-12. So that'll be uh, that'll fun. be a huge one. All right, sweet Dave. Well, that was fun. Yeah. So again, apologize for not having our uh, sound effects, but I thought Dave did a great job. I, we did what we could. Yeah, filling in, and uh, we got the the picks written down. Now I'll go over. 
when I get back to the office, I'll go over and I'll I'll post our picks from last week and how we did. I think we did pretty good, but um, you know, probably missed a couple in there. But yeah, it should be an interesting weekend, Dave. You're going to be able to watch a lot of the games. I'll be watching pretty much all of them that aren't like concurrent. So maybe three. <laughs> maybe th- <laughs> there are. They've got so many just scheduled opposite each other. But, yeah, no, I'm going to be watching football all day Saturday, and I'll watch Friday night's ASU game. So there's going to be lots of good stuff to watch. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, that's our Podcast of Champions episode for this week. Uh, That's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time.